Abolition. Abolition. Hey! Hey! I got hey, I got Max Barnett! I got Tribal Ray! Hey! Hey! Hey, the ladies of California, y'all! It's getting ready to go down this upcoming Saturday, August 28th at the California State Capitol. Join us. We'll be marching from Cracker Park all the way to the California State Capitol with a vote on for March, excuse me, march on for voting rights. And we will also be celebrating the one-year anniversary of Abolish Slavery National Network. That's right. We're going to march from the crackers all the way up to the Abolish Slavery. Boom! Boom! <laughs> this drum before the curtain closes, let my people go! All right. All right. You heard me. Boom! See, the sad fact of the matter is, if you're not going to stand up and act, you get the fuck out the way.
kids, thoughts and incarceration of us Till we did leave the party Had to wear my teeth, double back for my hair Yeah, God be our strength when we broke as hell When we going through hell, living in hell, living in cells All this oppression, no, you see us in it All this depression, no, you see us in it Lord, it's my best, will pass on all my sin No, you will be this, I know your mercy is still Mercy to the slums, mercy for us all to repent Free us for myself, change our high life for real we was lost, but you ain't mistaken. You took the cross just to save us, hey. Free my side the trap, huh? Free my sins out the trap, nah, yeah. They tryna lock us up in prison. We the slaves, we the slaves. 13 of me, man, yeah. Out the trap, huh? Free my sins out the trap, nah, yeah. They wanna lock us up in prison. We the slaves, we the slaves. 13 of me, man, yeah. You just heard a max mix of voices from Sacramento on August 28th, 2021, and that was followed by Reconcile, 13th Amendment. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment and for, by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org. Abolition Today is also available on all major podcast platforms and is simulcast on the Black Talk Radio Network. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, Max. Word, and guess where I'm at, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center. It's been a while since I've been here, and I just want to give a shout-out to who you heard on that opening track. That was, of course, Sister Jamelia Land when we landed in Cali, myself, Tropical Rain, Brother Yusuf Hassan, who's here with me right now, and Sister Angelique Evans. Yeah, we killed it right there. So last week marked the one-year anniversary of the Abolished Slavery National Network, and in a single year, we made epic accomplishments never seen before in U.S. history. ASNN's core leadership members spoke during the massive national marches in D.C., California, and Texas. We had Dennis Febo, uh, who's the co-chair of the state operations of the Abolished ne- Slavery National Network. He spoke in D.C., Savannah Eldridge in Texas, Jamelia Land, Max, and myself were all in Sacramento. This week... I want to start with a quote. I fear I'm integrating my people into a burning house. Let us not stand by and let the house burn. We should become the firemen. And this was uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as told by Harry Belafonte. And that leads into tonight's topic, a burning house in the enslaved firemen. The American house is ablaze. Denial is rampant. Ignorance celebrated. Propaganda propaganda propagates faster than Australian farm mice. (laughs) Read that again. Propaganda (laughs) propagates faster than Australian farm mice. Democracy itself is under siege by domestic terrorists and seats of power. The Constitution has become a shredded farce only protected through privilege. Violent coup attempts orchestrated by the slaver class have already happened more than planned. Voter suppression, mass incarceration civil disenfranchisement, exploitation, extortion, brutality, poverty, and institutional systemic bias are all our daily bread. 
all while we face multiple current and impending natural disasters beyond what any generation has experienced. In the midst of it all, a rapidly growing slavery abolitionist movement shines a beacon of reason, rings the bells of freedom, and in a season of woes, goes straight to the roots of the rotten fruit. If this nation's soul is at stake, it cannot be saved while slavery and genocide are a government-sanctioned reality. Start at the heart of the problem. The choice is freedom, inequality, or anarchy and ashesness. Let me say that again. The choice is freedom and equality or anarchy and ashes. The firemen are literally prisoners. So before we start, Max, tell me about your week, brother. Oh, I had to throw that out there, man. I had to throw that out there. Yes, sir. I'm not even going to waste no time telling you about my week. I'm going to get my partner in crime to help tell us about the week. So I'm going to bring you in, 4711. I believe that's Sister Jamelia Land. It yes, is. it is. Good evening, <laughs> my brother. Good evening. Uh, hey, you know, hey, Jamila. That track in the Hey, I'm hiding out in the garage. <laughs> Uh-oh, not the garage. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> in the garage. It's a That's garage the day. The land. Yeah, game. man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm in here. I'm in here formulating my plan on uh, the next attack because I am, I am beyond upset. Yeah, um, that's, you know, when you put that out, those videos with the interview with your son, it was after I had already decided to name the program. I was like, wow, would you look at this? Like, literally, there is the enslaved fireman right there, your son, uh, subject to all kinds of crimes against humanity and being held in the dark as to what the situation around him is. Um, Yeah, that was, that was, that was something else. So we're going to be sharing that on our page at Abolition Today, the discussion that you had uh, with with him earlier. So yeah. Thank and, you. Uh, I appreciate that. I'm glad you like that joint by Reconcile, 13th Amendment. Uh, that's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. That's the slap. You know, I didn't add that to my playlist. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so for people who are fooled by social media and they see the nice, nice, they don't get to see you know, the one that gets in the trenches and drives down the street bumping her abolitionist music ready Bumpin'. to just say, you know, <laughs> tear it down, tear it down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, among other things, we, we definitely got a lot to say. Um, it's been a hell of a week. We, it's our first time back here uh, in two weeks. We did a live broadcast from Sacramento last week with you and Sister Sonia, uh, as well as um, – Julie, uh, out there. Yeah, our host. Yeah, our host. uh, Tribal and Keith was in the house. That was pretty fun. Although the next time we do that, as I told Yusuf, I got to get the right equipment, man, because these cell phones was not working the way I wanted them to work. But it's all right. We got it done. And it was a really powerful broadcast, for sure. Uh, And I suspect this week it's going to be the same. um, Because, you know, like we said, the focus is on understanding reality. (laughs) King was afraid that he was bringing us into a burning house. Well, the house is burning now, and that's figuratively and literally. It is burning right now, uh, and we are facing yeah. an incredible crisis, uh, whether they be international crises uh, or, or whether it be geographic crises with natural disasters or even a pandemic. It's like everything is coming at us all at once, 
And in the middle of all of that, we are still fighting for freedom. Like they still using slavery on us in the middle of a period when all hands on deck should be the code word. Well, you know, if I could jump in here real quick on that, Max, um, because that's something that is really deeply disturbing my soul right now. So, you know, California, we are on fire. And um, we have we have this interesting phenomenon, if you want to call it, that has occurred that I really want the people to know. And so, you know, California, we have these fire camps. The fire camps are prison facilities where you are trained to be a firefighter. Um, recently here, California has decided that because we are in a crisis, we are in the middle of a pandemic and raging fires out of control, that the contracts that they have with the MA firefighters that uh, give them, you know, additional time off of their sentences and um, allow them to be released within a certain period of time, they are now reneging on that. So now, even if you are eligible, say you are eligible to be released today, that contract has been reneged if you are an inmate firefighter because it's mandatory for you to be out there on the front lines fighting these fires. Now, on the flip side of that, my son is at Sierra Conservation Center. It is a fire camp. However, he's not in the firefighter training program. But the fire is raging out of control, so much so that it blew out all of the phone lines. I didn't hear from him for almost two weeks. Did not know that he was... Uh, that he had contracted COVID, that he was severely ill, um, that the fire had got so close to the facility that smoke was coming into the building. So not only is he having a difficult time from just having asthma, but then he's contracted COVID. Now the buildings are filled with smoke. Um, CDCR has no evacuation plan in place for uh, the men and women that are inside of these facilities. And so it's interesting to me that they can they can lose their lives mandatorily out there fighting fires, but then they can also lose their lives mandatorily locked down in a facility that is within, you know, miles of, of a fire and burn up. That's what they're left to do. The plan is shelter in place, which means lock them down in the facility. The buses come in and take out all of the correctional officers and the staff, and they leave our loved ones in these facilities and hope that they make it. But if they don't, and the fires breach the prison and burns the facility to the ground, our loved ones get to die in those fires. I don't understand this. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a little enraged today. I'm sorry. Let me, let me take it down. Just a notch. Let me come back. <clears throat> I understand. It's your son Isaiah. And uh, I, I feel you on that. But just to be clear, what we are really talking about here are crimes against humanity that include crimes against humanity. constitutional violations. Whenever you have crimes against humanity like slavery and genocide, constitutions are going to be violated specifically for the people who are targeted for those crimes against humanity. And this is an Eighth Amendment violation. When you put people's mm-hmm. lives unnecessarily at risk while they're incarcerated, that is an Eighth Amendment violation, cruel and unusual punishment. You might as well be having them walk the plank and then daring them. Can, can, I, share the, can I share this with you um, so sure. that you know, the, the listeners will have a, a, a better understanding of just how severe this situation is, because not only are we dealing with a pandemic, we're dealing with a natural disaster at the same time. So as of September 3rd, there are 49,904. That's almost 50,000 
confirmed COVID-19 cases in the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation System. 139 of those were confirmed in the past two weeks. There have been 239 deaths within CDCR so far. And that's only what, according to this particular piece of information that I have, right? CDCR reported another COVID-19 related death at the California Institute for Men on September 3rd. Valley State Prison has tested, and most patients in the past 14 days, 94% of its population has COVID. Over 21 CDCR facilities out of 35 have reported new COVID-19 cases in the past two weeks. In the past two days, Pelican Bay Prison State Prison has reported six more cases active in custody. Sierra Conservation Center has reported five more cases, and North Kern State Prison reported four more cases. That was dated September 3rd. So when I talked to Elijah, we, he called three days ago, okay? There were uh, about 30 men that were all being housed in the gym positive with COVID. When I spoke to him today, he said there are 40 men and counting. They are averaging three men a day that are being brought into the gymnasium. So for people like Elijah, who's been in there two days, the 14-day quarantine, well, when they bring someone new in, the time starts all over again. So we don't know how long they're going to be in this gymnasium, and they're all just, they're coughing, they're sick. You know, he said today, hey, Mom, you know, i got to try to put in a, a, to get a medical ducket so that I can see if they'll give me some Pedialyte. My, my blood pressure is low. My sugar is low. I'm, I'm, I've got a massive headache. You know, and, and all I can do to hydrate myself is drink water. He's so physically weak that he can barely get up and move. And this is the condition of our loved ones in there. So in addition to that, now we got the smoke. We got the fires. We've got temperatures that are, that are breaching 110 degrees inside these facilities. They do not have air conditioning. So the air is recycled from outside. So during the summer, it's bringing in hot air. Right now, it's bringing in hot smoky air. During the winter, it brings in cold air, so they're in there freezing. These are inhumane conditions, you know, and this is, this is extremely problematic because this is what this country does. First, they, they, they dehumanize us through criminalizing us. Then they treat us in inhumane fashion, wanting to call it rehabilitation. I'm sick of this shit. Yeah, yeah, we've been We've reached our limit a long time ago. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's it's only a string that barely holds most of us from insanity, because that's what we're dealing with is insanity. Uh, I'd like to share two moments in, during our trip. Uh, the first one was while we were in Sacramento, the march had got canceled, and I believe it was primarily due to the air quality. And the air quality mm-hmm. was such that if you looked up into the sky, it was completely filled with smoke. It was in your mouth and your lungs. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, you know, standing next to a, a, a forest fire. And my first thought was, why the hell have you not evacuated this city yet? Uh, because, you know, most of the country don't have to deal with that. It's amazing how used to things we can get. And, and then the other thing was on the way out. We're flying above uh, California coming back to South Carolina, and I looked out the window, and there's this cloud that's miles and miles and miles long, and it's nothing but smoke from the fires, covering uh, thousands of acres, uh, maybe it was maybe about 30 miles in diameter, this one cloud. 
and you could see the flames or the heat flashing in the cloud as it was coming from the ground. And we're talking about like 20,000, 30,000 feet in the sky that this cloud was over the state of California. Amazing. It so is imagine, if I can interject real quick, Max. So imagine yes. that day that of, of the March of Morale, um, Sacramento was getting that type of smoke, and those fires are hundreds of miles away from us. So imagine being in the prison, okay? They're hundreds of miles away from us, and we're getting that type of smoke. Imagine being in the prison, and it's 8 to 10 miles from you. Right. That's exactly. that's tremendous, because I remember, you know, when I stood up to speak, you know, I could barely speak. The, the, the smoke was choking me so bad. That's why I kept coughing like that. You know, because the on smoke the was just so – and I had on the mask on top of that. It's just the – you are give an idea of how strong the smoke was that day. And we were on, I don't know if that was the front side or the back side of the Capitol building, but where we were at first was even smokier when we had to change sides of the building. That other side was even smokier. Yeah, well, as she said, it's, it's imagine ridiculous. being just a, you know, a few miles away in a prison and nobody cares. We see this type of inhumane treatment all across America, particularly in the southern states, but the western and northern states are also involved to larger degrees. You know, and Absolutely. we just had a hurricane in Louisiana. I didn't hear about nobody evacuating no prisons, you know. Even with the elderly, they didn't have a contingency plan, and several ended up dying because they took them to some factory or something like that with no heat, no, I mean, no, no air conditioning, no lights, no nothing. All of these uh, geriatrics and elderly and sick people, and then had them laying on freaking floors. Like there was no contingency plan at all for your most vulnerable. So we know you don't give a damn about the prisoners. Right. And we'll get an update as far as what went on in the prisons down in Louisiana regarding Hurricane Ida in a few moments. Uh, I just, uh, Jamelia, you had mentioned that uh, two thirds of the of those fighting the forest fires, the prisoners? Yes. Two-thirds. And how – so I'm, I'm, I was reading an article in Forbes, and the article was showing how that there was a licensing law that banned many ex-offenders from working as full-time firefighters, because I remember a few years ago that they were trying to make it where they can actually get hired when they come home. But the the uh, a federal judge just knocked that down. I think it was back in February. And they said since World War II, California has relied on prisoners to fight the state's immensely destructive fires. But once released from prison, the state makes it almost impossible for former prisoners to earn a living fighting fires full time. And so we, when we start talking World War II, so now we're talking 70 years that this has been yes. going on. And I guess that's just on the books. I'm sure it's been a lot longer than that. But as far as what's on the books, 70 years this has been going on. So can you yes. explain, like, some of the things that have been done to make the conditions better? Because we've seen videos of how they just all on top of each other, lying on the ground inside of tents with no mask on. Uh, the having, incident to fight, that would having, just, having to be on the fire line. 24, 36 hours straight, no rest, mm -hmm. no shower, no food, infected with COVID, breathing in fire smoke. Nothing's been done. Nothing's been done. Um, 
other than the continued exploitation of our people. We've got firefighters, you know, we have a we have a couple of female firefighters who have died in the line of duty. Um, and then, you know, they were just And these that was it. these are those and that their bodies are even returned to their families. Mhm. Can't even get hey, this so cold blooded. They told me when my husband contracted COVID that if I didn't have uh you know, if I couldn't show them that I had proper means to take care of burial or, or dispose of his body, I couldn't even have his body back. Yes, wow. as you said, several people have already died, and they weren't uh, buried as heroes. They did get pensions from the fire department. Their widows or family members aren't taken care of because of insurance, uh, and they risked everything and lost everything uh, doing that. And on top of that, to rub salt into the wounds, um, recently, from what you was explained to us before, is they've decided not to apply the credits, the day-off credits of their sentences, while the fires are active. So if you've been doing this for however long, and every time you fight a, a, a live fire, you get a day off from your sentence, those days no longer count now. They're just going to go ahead and keep you. Am I correct, or is it more than that? So it's it's more than that. It's They are just voiding out the contracts, period. So you, you can't be released. That's the major part. You cannot be released. They can hold you indefinitely with the fires burning. With the fires. Wow. So hey, convict um, leasing all over again. Mm-hmm. I, I got a couple of things on the list of shit to do today that I want to get through. But before we do that, I want to bring in our brother from Louisiana so he can tell us about what's happening over there uh, in the prisons. So, uh, Brother Alonzo, we're going to open up your line. Uh, welcome back to Abolition Today. Uh, Alonzo is subject to the 10 and 2 Jim Crow laws. He's a monument to Jim Crow in Louisiana right now, uh, serving time under an all-white jury. Alonzo? Yeah, I want to just say I appreciate everything or whatnot, and uh, my heart definitely go out to the sister out there in California. I mean, uh, uh, one of the things that I probably that I, that I thought about, because you know I'm a legal man, uh, she mentioned that her son uh, has various disabilities, and uh, with the federal funding that all of these jails are receiving in Louisiana right now during a pandemic, uh, that stimulus bill. So what that actually does, that that, that puts these uh, local jails or these jails across the country under federal jurisdiction under uh, the American Disability Act uh, for it. So that's something that she probably can look into and not a civil rights lawyer because, uh, like, like I say, man, uh, we got these all of these laws and all of these, uh, these, these cabinet positions, and nobody's not doing their job. And uh, like you say, uh, what we're dealing with not right now in Louisiana, uh, with the Jim Crow uh, jury uh, system, we're dealing with it or not. Uh, it flatly says uh, that the Justice Department have jurisdiction over exclusion of juries on on account of race, conspiracy against the constitutional. And uh, a deprivation of uh, of rights under color of a law. Also, uh, those are the three uh, elements that 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 meets the jurisdiction of the Justice Department and uh, the response that we're receiving from the Justice Department uh, that they have no jurisdiction over it. So, uh, if you could get any type of uh, if you got any type of civil rights lawyers or whatnot, uh, all the uh, Ben, ben Crumpman and all of these people were not that supposed to be a phony. Or no brainers or whatnot. A brother uh, could come to Angola and study law years, and he'll be able to uh, recognize this. So uh, this is a, a indictment 
on uh, these so-called lawyer activists or whatnot that we have uh, that represent, uh, supposed to represent uh, the true interests of, of our people. Hey, um, Brother Lonzo, uh, can you tell us the conditions over there after the Hurricane Ida and uh, were there any precautions taken? Was there any damage where you're at? Well, uh, you know, like you say, Angola is 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 just uh, it's buried deep out of there, so we didn't really get any any kind of damage. But uh, surrounding areas like New Orleans, uh, Baton Rouge, La Plaza, so what they did, they used Angola as like a center, so they located all of those brothers and put them up here. But, uh, like 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 what everything or not, uh, the prison is seriously underfunded, understaffed. Uh, so uh, what, what we're seeing or whatnot, the lights go out a lot, a lot like in, in these outer camps that, that we're located out. So we don't have air conditions. Uh, uh, the, uh, with the pandemic, uh, it was like we stay on lockdown a lot because uh, we have brothers like leaving out of the dorm, uh, like I said, like four or five of them at a time that uh, either have symptoms. But the problem with it is that they don't test anybody. They only test a few. So... Uh, Without you showing any uh, symptoms or whatnot, you still could have the virus and you can affect them. Uh, they're not taking mass tests in Louisiana. So uh, that's uh, merely the dilemma that we're dealing with. Thanks, man. Um, mm. you know, I, w- I want to bring this back again to California. <clears throat> right now, there is a recall going on for the governor out there, right? Um, <laughs> and right. the person on the Republican side is Larry Elder. And Larry Elder is a black slaver. <laughs> like, he believes that what we're talking about right now is perfectly okay. And he has no problem with it all at all. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I want to play a clip from Larry Elder that a lot of people may not have heard. And, of course, we're going to mix it with a little bit of poetry from Nikki Giovanni, the great Pax Whitey, Peace Be Still. Uh, so hang yeah. on with us. We're going to play that, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org, with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. And on the phone today, we got our brother Lonzo out of Angola Prison and Sister Jamelia Land. We'll be right back after this clip. Abolition, Abolition. Craig Today. is in Houston, Texas. Craig, you're on the Larry Elder Show. Hey, Larry. Hey, Craig. Um, we spoke on We spoke on yesterday, and uh, you didn't give me a chance to really speak out you're cutting me off often but i wanted to ask you about the 13th amendment of the constitution do you believe that once you commit a crime you should be considered a slave do i consider when you commit a crime should you be considered a, a past slave yeah a slave or a past slave based on the 13th amendment well the 13th amendment has an exception for people that have committed crimes yeah, so do you agree with the 13th Amendment that yes. because you commit a crime in your life, you should be considered a slave? The 13th Amendment doesn't say that. It said there should be no, no slave, no involuntary servitude in America except for people that have been duly committed of committing a crime. That's what it says. I don't, I don't, exactly. consider, I don't consider people who, who have committed a crime and who are working or being forced to work, to work to be slaves. I, don't, I consider them to be a, a criminal a, a who are working off their punishment. Michael Cole, is that what you think? I'll tell you what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. And what you do, Michael Cole, 
is you sit your ass at that announcer booth, you take off your headset and you don't say a word. And I quote, you know your damn role and shut your damn mouth. In the beginning was the word, and the word was death, and the word was nigger, and the word was death to all niggers, and the word was death to all life, and the word was death to all peace. Be still. The genesis was life, the genesis was death, and the genesis of death was the genesis of war. Be still, peace, be still. In the name of peace, they waged the war. Ain't they got no shame? In the name of peace, Lot's Wife is now a product of the Morton Company. No, they ain't got no shame. Noah packing his wife and kitties up for a holiday. Row, row, row your boat. But why'd you leave the unicorns, Noah, huh? Why'd you leave them? While our black Madonna stood there, 18 feet high, holding him in her arms, listening to the rumblings of peace. Be still. Be still. Can I get a witness, 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 he wanted to know. And Peter only asked, who is that dude? Who is that black dude? Looks like a troublemaker to me. And the foundations of the mighty, mighty Roman Catholic Church were laid. Hallelujah, Jesus. No, they ain't got no shame. Because they killed the Carthaginians in the great Appian way. And they killed the Moors just to civilize the nation. And they just killed the earth and blew out the sun in the name of a God whose genesis was white. And war wooed God and America was born. Where war became peace and genocide patriotism. And honor is a happy slave because all God's killing these rhythms. And glory hallelujah, why can't peace be still? The great emancipator was a bigot. Ain't they got no shame? And making the world safe for democracy were 20 million slaves. No, they ain't got no shame. And they barbecued six million to raise the price of beef and cross the 16th parallel to control the price of rice. Ain't we never going to see the light? And champagne was shipped out of the east while kosher pork was introduced to Africa. Only the torch can show the way. In the beginning was the deed, and the deed was death, and the honkies are getting confused. Peace, be still. So the great white prince was shot like a nigger in Texas, and our black shining prince was murdered like that thug in his cathedral, while our nigger in Memphis was shot like their prince in Dallas, and my lord, ain't we never going to see the light? The rumblings of this peace must be still, be still, be still, all black people, ain't we got no pride? You just heard a clip from the Larry Elder Show, July 6, 2020, and that was followed by Peace Be Still, Nikki Giovanni, the great Pax Whitey. Max, you know how much I love me some Nikki Giovanni, man. You know. Yeah, that was a good follow-up for Larry Elder's slaving ass. <clears throat> like, he said it out loud, too. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so, no shame in his game. You got to get out there and vote, California. Uh, you got to stop this man from becoming your governor. Because if you become, if he becomes governor, we can kiss ACA3 goodbye, pretty much. 
Um, and Absolutely. also, they're going to double up on the efforts at prison labor and prison slavery because the government is okay with all of that. You might even go so far as to start killing people on the death penalty again. Jamelia, anything? Yeah, so yeah, so uh, our sister Angelique is on. Can you let her in? Uh, what's the last it's, four digits? What's the last four? Or just uh-huh. press one, Angelique. Press one, and we'll know it's you. Oh, I, I know which one it is. Because I right. know the other numbers. All right. Angelique, is that you? Yes, this is Angelique. Hello, <laughs> everybody. Uh, peace, Yay. Angelique. Y'all heard her in the intro. That was the one with the fire at the end of the speaking. Hey, hey. Yeah, man, Max, I hear you speaking from real. We do got to get better. Nine days until Election Day, September 14th. ACA is at definite risk. If Larry get in, we're feeling you, big bro, on that one. And we doing better. We get in our community. We in the base. We in the hoods. We in everywhere. Encouraging folks, come vote. Come vote. We recommending them everywhere because, yes, this is definitely crucial. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is crucial. If he gets in office, these things are going to be at risk, as well as many other things. He has been right. fighting against the black narrative for the past 30-something years, this man. Right. Uh, in right. one advertise or one promotion I saw, a magazine, where they said that he is the black face for white supremacy. And that's not an understatement yeah. if you ever listen to him. And so the last yeah. thing you want to do is get bamboozled thinking that all kinfolk are, all skin folk are kinfolk. It don't work that way with this guy. Jamelia? Well... I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say something uh, that, you know, probably isn't very politically correct, but at this point in the game, I just don't give a damn. Um, When you look at people like Larry Elder, it's very clear, you know, who he is and the machine that he works for. Um. I personally am very disappointed in the true white supremacist of this country because a true white supremacist in this country would remind him that he is still a nigga. That's right. And would not be supporting his black ass. So I, you know, I question everything. But I just I, I can't I can't for the life of me understand how um, he is he is even in this race uh, and it's frightening because people don't think that you know California has the issues that it has it doesn't want to recognize that California is in fact the largest carceral state in this so-called union um, it doesn't want to acknowledge the fact that. You know, we we dehumanize people um, and we exploit them and we extract resources from their communities and we kill families and it is it's normalized like it is anywhere else. But we do a lot here in politics. See, in the South, it's very clear what it is. The sheets, you know, some places you go, the sheets are still there. The the flags are all over the place. Here, it's cloaked behind a suit and a tie. And, and a friendly lunch and social niceties, it's, they're full of shit. And if we let someone like Larry Elder get in, I'm going to look for another place to live. Mm. I do not want to be in California anymore. 
this place will turn. That's like Donald Trump being elected to president again for the people of the state of California, and they don't understand that. And I'm very disappointed in in the in the the black voting community, who, you know, for whatever reason, just continue to want to believe that their vote does not count. If we are so woke and awake as we claim to be, then we should be able to see why our vote is important. Because they are going through extreme measures, extreme measures, to solidify that we never have a voice. They are wiping us out. It is crazy. There are only five states in the union that incarcerate people and allow conjugal visits. That means that they can't procreate. They're killing us off every which way but not. We get somebody like Larry Elder in office. We're in trouble. And I hope that the people really, really see it and, like, wake up. And even if, if, you, if you've never voted for anything before in your life, this is one of the most critical races California has ever seen. See, because this whole recall came about because of the white supremacists that were pissed. And look, we're, we're having another surge in this pandemic. It's always profit over people. No, it's time for the people to stand up and say, we will not be profited off of any more. Our bodies, our lives, they mean nothing unless they're tied to an economic engine that someone else is benefiting from. Fuck that. There you go. Can you, uh, either you or Angelique, just give out the important dates of their times that people can still register, uh, when, when, the, when they should be expecting the ballots in the mail? and the procedure that they oh. should take in getting their ballots in. Yes, actually, they're, um, they can go actually in person until the day of the 14th. They're also doing same-day registra- uh, registration. So if you did not go, if you did not register to vote, they are registering you at the polling places. If you forgot your right. ballot, do not worry. They have ballots there for you at the polling locations. And you can vote all the way up until the 14th. Um, if you are putting your ballots in the mail, put your ballots in the mail. It has to be marked before noon of the 14th. So please make sure you vote. And as my sister Jamila said, if you ain't never voted for one thing in your whole life, this is very, very important. This is very critical to our state. And it is very racist. It is very racist. So please go out. You know, tell a friend. Tell a homie, tell your partners, tell everybody just to get together. That's why I always say, hey, I brought 10 of my partners to the polling location yesterday. Folks need to do that. If you could just bring two or three of your homies, two or three of your friends, please go out because we need this. We need this. We need to do no on the recall. Leave the second question blank. And those, uh, I'm sorry, oh, to please go ahead. Um, I, I, I want to I wanna send a special message out to all of our loved ones who have returned home who now have the ability to vote because of the passage of Proposition 17 last year. I need you to go out and I need you to cast that vote. Then I need you to be prepared to cast the vote on the November 2022 ballot when ACA3 becomes whatever proposition number that it will and you, the citizens of the state of California, will be able to vote on it. So I need, you know what I mean, I need, I need our loved ones who have never voted before, who are just mm-hmm. coming home and 
hearing about yeah. civic engagement and voter registration and all of that stuff and all of the things we've been uh, uh, psychologically conditioned and, and, and socially uh, indoctrinated to believe, throw all that out the window and right. go cast your vote. Yes. And again, to piggyback on that, Jamila, folks are really misinformed. Like if they have a strike, they can't vote. They're being told this even in uh, as they come home. Like if you have one or strike or two strikes, I'm a double striker myself, and I voted. You know, we have folks on parole, so thank you, Jamila, for bringing that up. Also, it doesn't matter if you're on probation, parole, um, you have a strike, if you have anything, you can vote. Yes, you can. And the thing that I was – oh, sorry. I was going to say, and the thing that I was going to ask, because we're on the same page here, is how are those who are currently in the county jails uh, being addressed? Because as long as they don't have a conviction, they can vote. Like if they're just a pre-proud detainee with no conviction, like they they can still vote. So is, is there a campaign going on uh, getting uh, ballots out to them? Right. So that's voter inreach. Um, registering folks that are inside the county jails that are not facing, um, that are not doing um, um, state time in county jails. Those ones, um, yes, there is doing voter inreach. However, due to the pandemic, right now, can't really speak on, like, if it's going on. I know that a lot of, of these bad, dope nonprofits out here in Los Angeles are making sure and are pushing forth with that. Thank you. Um, Thanks. These are some cunning people, man. You know, they set up this recall, as Jamil, you pointed out, the white supremacists did it, so that they could put it, uh, us in a position in California where the opposition only needs 50, 15% of the votes to win, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like it's a sneaky thing they got going on. And then what do they do on top of that? They bring out a black face for white supremacists to pull the wool over everybody's eyes, who is literally mm-hmm. a pro-slavery advocate. So that is a crucial moment, and it's one of two crucial moments that we only have days to react on. Uh, there's another moment that you should be aware of happening in Alabama. Uh, some months ago, the ASNN approached the uh, activists who got Amendment 4 in Alabama passed. Amendment 4 uh, allows them to remove racist language from the Alabama state constitution, one of the longest constitutions in the world and it's filled with racist language including an exception for slavery just like many other states have so we brought that to their attention and they agreed to put it on the chopping block so about two days ago friday they started having the hearings and talking about it and we need everybody who's in earshot of alabama right now uh to do this for us write in an email in support of amending section 32 uh you can write it to info at lsa.state.al.us or you can call 334-261-0690 and leave a recorded message. They're accepting testimony. If you're not in Alabama, do it anyway so that they can know this entire country is in support of ending slavery in in Alabama. If we can do that in Alabama uh, over these next few days, that is going to be a big big plus for the abolitionist movement. So those two things, get your behind out and vote in California. And if you heard my voice just a minute ago, you know the information, go ahead and write an email or call in for Alabama. We need you to do that now. And there's one more thing. It's not a priority, but we're giving some money away. Uh, Our 
organizers for the federal amendment, Bianca Tylik and Worth Rises, are giving out $100 to the first 100 people who sign up at endtheexception.com to have a cookout tomorrow um, and have it on behalf of End the Exception. So if you want to make a quick 100 bucks tomorrow to pay for your cookout, all you got to do is go to endtheexception.com and click the link up there. Those three, three things get on it. Time is limited. All right, back to you, Yusuf. Yes. Uh, sorry about that. I was reading an article. Uh, let's see. Where do we want to go with this? Uh, we got a couple of guests still here, so we can get their comments on anything um, that we just said. So, uh, Sister Jamil, uh any commentary from you? Angelique? No, you uh, know, I'm, I'm sitting here just right. trying to keep my blood my blood pressure low. <laughs> I'd love to hear from Luke, though. All right. Sister Angelique? Yeah, no, I'm sitting here the same. Um, I just had a conversation with my cousin today talking about, the, you know, even what's going on in Texas right now. And it's just as a mother, it's sickening. As a mother that had my son in the penitentiary that um, understands that, you know, it, it, it's just sickening, you know. Um, but I'm just trying to grab my thoughts around everything and all the things and hearing from my OG, my mom, wise people, you know, my big brothers and sisters. You know, but at the end, um, I just really kind of want to remind people, parole and all, strikers and all, probation and all, please make sure you go vote, okay? Please make sure you go vote. If you don't know um, um, where a polling location is, if you don't know, if you're out here in L.A., lavote.net, um, if you need help or if you need anything, please reach out to me. I'll 415-424-6973. Um, or reach out to my fam on here. I just really want folks to know the importance of this election. It's really, really important. And um, that's it, though. Thank you. Appreciate that, Jada. No, thank um, you. Brother Lonzo, you want to chime in before we get into our music break and switch this thing around and get that energy we need? Yeah, I definitely uh, have a few words or whatnot. I just uh, just want to give uh, shots out to the to the two sisters or whatnot. And, uh no, uh, they, they always say we don't have enough of brothers on the front line or whatnot, but I definitely appreciate the sisters or whatnot that's holding us down. And uh, like I say, I put uh, I put our uh, our uh, phones app uh, to the Justice Department uh, online, so uh, get it any anybody that we could get to send those phones apps out. It'd be deeply appreciated. Where can they find that online? I send it to you. I post it. To, I get someone to post it to you, uh, Matt. They could go at, okay. at uh, they, I get. I, I send somebody to post it to you. All right. Okay. So I want to read something really quick that shows the importance of voting, especially when it comes to when we're talking about California and who's the governor. So last month in Illinois, Governor J.B. Pritzker signed into law the Joe Coleman Medical Release Act. Now, this was something that was they were trying to get in the past, but because they had a Republican governor, they were never able to get it done. Now that they have a Democratic governor, they were able to get this done. It allows incarcerated people with terminal illnesses or disabilities to end their sentences and return home to their families. Joe Coleman, a former IPP client, succumbed to a battle with terminal cancer in 2019. He died alone in a prison bed awaiting the decision on executive clemency while serving a life sentence 
Anybody want to take a guess why he was uh, serving a life sentence? It wasn't murder. It wasn't kidnapping. It wasn't rape. It wasn't arson. He was doing a life sentence for stealing $640 from a gas station. So this law is now in effect in in, uh, California as of, I'm sorry, in uh, Illinois. And this was dated August 20th, 2021. So it's the Joe Coleman Medical Release Act. For those of you who are in Illinois, uh, you have uh, friends and family who are stirring, you know, life sentences and terminally ill or they have disabilities. Definitely look into this. You know, have uh, someone contact the Prisoner Review Board, and they also give this uh, authority to judges as well. So have someone look into it. And it says that HB 3665 is effective January 1, 2022. So it becomes effective on January 1st. Max? Yes, sir. Um, There's an article I do want people to read as well. It's from the wagingnonviolence.org. The title is, If We Truly Honor Juneteenth, We Would End Mm. the Exception in the 13th Amendment. And when I read that, man, it made me smile. I was, I was like, you know, somebody's listening to abolition today on a regular basis. They were so on point with it. So if you get the opportunity, go ahead and read that. And I do want to remind you that because of the Abolish Slavery National Network, right now we're in a position where Alabama, Alabama can possibly end slavery in their constitution within days. We only have up until the 7th that they're accepting um testimony, whether it's written or recorded. So if you can hear me, it just takes a moment. Call up and, and support, right in the support. And with that being said, I want to go ahead and play a track that was given to us, the first part, specifically from the Tony Award winning, Emmy Award winning, Peabody mm-hmm. Award winning, Georgia mm-hmm. Me, Miss Tamika Harper, who has been on every episode of Death Poetry Jam. Uh, Her and I go back a couple decades now, and she is the queen of poetry. And she wrote a poem just for us at the Abolish Slavery National Network that she read during our presentation on the 28th. And that's going to be followed by Mr. Killer. We want justice. Trust me, you're going to feel this. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. And we'll be right back after this. Abolition. 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 We ain't learned shit because history keep repeating. Power of the pen, the ballot, our voice, there's no deceit. Trust our hearts, know our souls, the enemy will be retreating. Alec laws, slave patrols, future plantations, you threw eating and killing people and destroying families and setting up systems of slavery. Three strikes, war on drugs, over two million incarcerated, this system came to be through strategy and lobbying, lying and conspiracy, anything you can think of to stop our prosperity. Worse than injustice. This is just plain out evil. Turn a blind eye because it's not your people. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. That's what kings say. Mandatory minimums. Plea deals of death. No due process coming your way. Trials are just things on TV that actors perform. A play. Take three years or risk 30. These prosecutors play dirty. Media convinces the world them darker folk ain't worth we savages and criminals, apathy gang subliminal, teach we have no morals, intellect, or principles. 
so it's easy to lock us away. They animals, they crave, so you beat us and mistreat us. But every dog has his day. Use us to fuel your corporate machine. Anything you can dream, from your Idaho potatoes on your table to the sewing of your underwear stain. But that gleam in your eyes gon' flicker Because our comeback gon' be quicker We peeped your plan, we know your game We gon' come back bigger Bigger in number Mass cooperation To combat and dismantle your mass incarceration Everyone waking up, no more following indoctrination We demand everything promised to citizens of the station So let's fix the fall in Amendment 13 Stop acting as if it ain't inhumane Stop acting as if it were you you wouldn't want someone to feel your pain and fight to make it better. At least decent and fair. No matter what you've done, you still deserve care and consideration as a human being just trying to live life. No thoughts that they have kids, their mama crying or breaking news to the wife. The call we all dread. You locked up or you dead. Worth more alive. Put him in right. 300000 ahead. And it's always about the bread. And creating a permanent underclass. Black holes of today. Stop and frisk, won't let me pass. Again, live. Constant infringement of my liberty with laws and loopholes to stop me from being free. From being free. From being free. From being free. Can't free, can't free. We want justice.
another black man jump. Anytime you hear police bust on shots, that mean another black man jump. Yeah, that's why the riot can't stop. Them need to stop killing us like that. Tired of the killing, me tired of the police brutality, me tired of the shots. heard Georgia Meat, Tamika Harper, poem for the ASNN, and that was followed by Mr. Killer, We Want Justice. Man, we want no justice. justice, no peace. Mm, mm, but mm. you know, the thing about that peace part is that you can't have peace without freedom, because no man can be at peace unless he has his freedom. Malcolm X, right? That's right. So, we're out here struggling for freedom right now, and I don't know how the hell you expect us to have peace or heal. Because if we do that, it means we need to stop struggling. And if we stop struggling, it means we either got our freedom or we still need to keep fighting. That's right. Sister Jamelia. I'm here. I'm here. How you feel about the poem and the track? I know the track really got you. Oh, hey, the track, you know, that's going on my playlist. (laughs) Man, you know, the Abolitionist playlist. Man, look, that's my new slap. <laughs> that's my new slap. That's my new slap. Well, oh. Oni's on it. She's like, Mom, where you get? Let me guess. Max, mm-hmm. I said, yes. Shout out to those little soldiers you have, too. You know, you, yeah. your three daughters that were there with us. I mean, they troopers. They down. Yeah, Future Jamelia lands out there. Amen to yeah. that. You know, I pray that they're 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 better and stronger than I am, but Lord knows I'm trying to equip them. And uh, yeah, if, if, they, if they fail, it's only because they're not. Yeah. Oh man, Georgia, uh, she she said it all. I mean, like that's so cold. I'm gonna have to play that a few times. You know, <laughs> that'll get you that'll get your blood boiling right there. Um, well, at, because at this point, you can only. You can only find it at the uh, ASN's YouTube page, which is, uh, I believe it's Abolish Slavery National Network, right? Uh, on YouTube. Uh, so you can find it on there. As part uh, of the yeah, I think that's the name of the page. Or it may be in the exception. I, I forgot. I believe the YouTube. Oh, you said the YouTube page. Yes, Abolish yeah, Slavery National YouTube, Network. You, you can find it there. And check out that whole thing. That presentation was so smooth and powerful, man. Celebrate one year of these achievements and the work that we've been put in, the sacrifices that have been made. Like, Lord, if you're a regular listener, you know the sacrifices that have been made by those inside and out over and over again, putting their lives on the line, some losing their lives and their freedom. 
like brother uh, Alonzo on the line right now. He's risking everything right. to participate in a conversation about this system and try to look for some hope and freedom uh, after he's been railroaded through a Jim Crow unconstitutional bamboozlement. Right. Like a living monument to Jim Crow is on the line right now. Don't tell us that it's right. over when the man's right here right now. What's your name, Lonzo? <laughs> Brother exactly. Williams, <laughs> AKA. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, right. You know, so I'm the brother saying. sent me the brother sent right. me the phone zap he wants everyone to do. Uh to call the chair of House Judiciary Committee, uh Jerry Nadler, two zero two 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 five five six three five. It says the US Supreme Court refuses to make Louisiana's ban on non unanimous juries convictions retroactive. The racist non-unanimity law known as 10-2 was repealed in 2018, but all the victims are already locked up, were left to rot. Why? Jerry Natley is chair of the House Judiciary Committee. We request that you intervene on behalf of the incarcerated citizens in Louisiana who have been wrongly convicted under the state's racist Jim Crow jury scheme. And they want you to use the hashtag on your social media, living monuments to Jim Crow. Brother Alonzo, you want to say anything in addition to that? Did we lose him? Uh, we might have. All right, so uh, we'll get him. If we can get him back on to say something before we finish here tonight, I, I hope so. But uh, I did want to bring in some information. I want to get into uh, teaching status. You know what I mean? Draw some information mm-hmm. on that so they can learn something. You know, we become accustomed to so many things, and it doesn't take a long time for us to just become accustomed to crimes against humanity as everyday incidents that we, you know, we all have to deal with. And one of those is the violations of the Sixth Amendment. You know, the Sixth Amendment is a huge problem. It's a pillar of mass incarceration right now. Ninety-five percent of all cases, ninety-five percent of all cases, in a plea bargain. Yeah, we, we can hear you now. Uh, let me share this real quick and then we'll get back to you. All right. Hold on for a minute. So 95% of all cases in, in a plea bargain. In addition to that, 95% of all prosecutors are white. 83% are white men. So you have this violation of the Constitution that is rampant to the point where you can say that the Sixth Amendment is a myth because there's not enough proof that it exists if only 5% of the people are getting trials. And in addition to that, it's racially biased because the dominant force that's deciding who, you know, who gets all of this time are a bunch of white people, particularly white men. And I found out that this thing hasn't even been around that long. It's only been around since 1970. In 1969, mm-hmm. The U.S. Supreme Court reversed the conviction of a man who had received five death sentences after pleading guilty to five counts of robbery because the trial judge had not ensured that the guilty pleas were voluntary. That was Boykin versus Alabama. Judges now ensure that guilty pleas are voluntary by querying defendants in court. In the following year, the Supreme Court ruled that it is acceptable to reward with reduced penalties those defendants who plead guilty, and that was Brady versus United States. And the defendants may plead guilty without admitting culpability, meaning that they can plead bargain even when they feel they are factually innocent. And that was Carolina versus Alfred. In a fourth plea bargain uh, case in 1971, the Supreme Court ruled that defendants are entitled to legal remedy if prosecutors break conditions specified in plea bargains. Santabella versus New York. 
in 78, the court mm-hmm. held in Borden Kircher versus Hayes that prosecutors may threaten to bring additional charges against defendants who refuse to bargain as long as those charges are valid. That's a constitutional violation all by itself, the fact that you're now allowed to threaten people with uh, and, and coerce them into pleading guilty. Mm-hmm. Together, these five cases illustrate the court's view that plea bargains are acceptable and deserve recognition as valid agreements. Indeed, in Santabella to the court, went so far as to argue that plea bargaining is not only an essential part of the process, but a highly desirable part for many reasons. Plea bargains thus became an established and protected routine. That's from Britannica.com. So that's how we got this thing called plea bargains. See, they got the plea bargains to keep us in prison, to push us in prison. And then they have the, uh, what's the one where they keep them out, uh, Yusuf, on the tip of my tongue, the grand juries to keep them out of prisons. Right. All right. Right. Brother, uh, Yusuf, I'll pass it to you and then to You know, uh, I'm I'm gonna pass because you know I'll you, you know I'll go off on a tangent on this. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> anytime like we're going with the courts. I just felt like people needed to know this is not new. They, they definitely I mean, did. Not, this is a this just came around for like fifty years ago. We haven't had to always deal with this and it's a constitutional violation of the highest order. It's why we are having so many people being pushed in prison who are innocent. All right. Brother Lonzo? Absolutely. We lost him again. I'll just say this, Max. You know, it's a common thing that you'll see, like, in social media and other circles where they're like, you know, well, why would somebody plead guilty if they were innocent? You know, this is, this is always like the pushback. Well, you just laid it out right there. It's because if they go to trial, we already know what happens with the juries. We have Brother Lonzo sitting right here where they had jury notific- nullification where they were allowing people to be convicted, because it wasn't just Louisiana, it was also Oregon until 2018, where, it, where people were allowed to be convicted with non-unanimous juries. And then we know how many peremptory challenges are used by prosecutors to get rid of blacks and Hispanics off of juries, and then we know many black people and Hispanic people don't want to serve on juries, mainly because they don't get paid. You know, they'll miss a day from work. You know, they, they, can't, they can't miss work. And so you end up with these heavily, heavily slanted juries. They already have the mindset of the people where people are used to seeing L.A. law, uh, law and order, all of these cop shows where the cops always do the right thing on the show. So if they arrest somebody, then they got their man. Well, that's not how it really goes in real life. In real life, innocent people get charged, innocent people get convicted. We've seen how many people have been saved from death row or who, who have been freed by the Innocence Project. So we know that there are tons of people sitting in prison who are innocent. They chose to plead guilty because they were threatened with life bids. And, you know, so they had the choice, well, let me just take this six years. I'm not going to take the chance and end up getting a life bid and having to spend 20, 30 years trying to prove my innocence. So, yeah, That's what people Georgia will be guilty. Risk, uh, take three or risk 30. Um, exactly. exactly. It's coercion. It's threatening you. We've made it legal. It's so unconstitutional. Uh, Brother Angel, I mean, Sister Angelique, would you, would you like to comment on that? 
Oh, she actually, she had to drop out. Her brother called in. Who was calling oh, okay. in the Well, we'll pass the mic to you then, Jermaine. Oh, well. Um... No, I, I'm just I'm 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 taking all I'm right. taking it all in. I'm trying I to calm my nerves right. down. You, you got a lot yeah. of stuff going on, and compartmentalizing only goes so damn far. <laughs> you know, we yeah. blow up all yeah. the boxes. <laughs> but you know, even in California, where like they're supposed to be so liberal, they just had this report that came out about what was going on on Rodeo Drive. On Rodeo Drive, they created this task force called Safe Streets. And over the course of a few months, they arrested 106 people on Rodeo Drive. 105 of them were black and one was Hispanic. 105 out of 106 <laughs> black people. How the hell is that even possible? That's how you do safe streets by keeping black people out? Is that the answer? The bias is so deep, so they hunt us in these streets. They get us on these yeah. false charges, and then they plea bargain our asses right into prison. Mm. Yep. And they and they're looking to get Larry Elder in office, <laughs> who's going to make sure that this becomes the law. Yeah, he's going to make sure it becomes the freaking law. All right. Well, you know, we do play music and clips on here, and sometimes it's just nothing more you can say about something. It is what it is, and you need people to fight. You need people to get out there and vote. You could be that one person whose vote just tipped the scales. You don't even know. It could be right. You know what I mean? Like, you could be heroic right. and not even know it yet. <laughs> so go out there and handle your business, California, and stop this state from being taken over by a pro-slavery governor. Think about that, a pro-slavery. You heard it in his own words right here on this program tonight. So you've got plenty of fuel. Get your behind out there and get it done. Also, do the same thing in Alabama. Make that phone call. Send out that email. Look on Abolition Today for the information. You'll find it right there. Um, and, and make that happen. Imagine that. Ending slavery in Alabama. Right. You know, the deep south. Come on, y'all. Give us a hand when we need it. These moments don't last forever. The window is open. It can go one way okay. or another. And it all depends on you right now. Not the people around you. The person that's listening to me right now, it depends on you. What are you going to do? So get up off your ass like Tribal said and make something happen. <laughs> All right. So with that being said, I think it's a perfect time, to, man, to just go ahead and go into another track. You know, I ain't even going to introduce it. What do you think? Can we go into We can just play because the track speaks yeah. for itself. It, it speaks for itself. You're listening to Abolition today, and we ain't playing no games or pulling no punches. Here's what we need. We'll be right back. Abolition, abolition, Superman met a crypt tonight. We watched when dirty cops walk through and abuse power and 
I'm sharing it. We've mentioned it before. We don't really have a date on it, but it carries relevance. It's entitled Private Prison Sues State for Not Having Enough Prisoners. Yes, Private Prison Sues State for Not Having Enough Prisoners. A private prison in Arizona recently sued the state for having a lack of prisoners. For the sake of saving over $16 million in back pay, state settled by paying the private prison $3 million. Arizona essentially paid a company $3 million because not enough people are committing crimes. There's that one. And then the other one, prison group sues to keep immigrant detention center open. Private prison corporation GEO Group has sued Washington State, saying a new law mandating the closure of the immigrant detention center it operates in Tacoma would unconstitutionally subvert federal authority. The law enacted by the legislature in March interferes with the contract signed between GEO and ICE, according to the company's uh, complaint filed last month in U.S. District Court of Western Washington. This is dated May 17, 2021. And the trial actually began on June 1st, and a mistrial was declared in the trial because the jury was deadlocked after three days of uh, deliberation and able to determine whether or not the detainees, and when we, when we start talking immigration, they're not prisoners. They're civil detainees, but they were being paid a dollar a day, and the jury actually was deadlocked on that, so whether or not that was in violation of their rights. So if you're talking about someone needs to be woke, you know, a couple of people on that jury needed to be slapped into, you know, their senses. Yeah, it's just one thing after the other, but there are some good some uh, good news stories coming out, uh, relatively speaking good news. That shows there are there is change occurring, and that's uh, mm-hmm. one of those stories. Would be what just recently happened in Savannah, Georgia, uh, where that former prosecutor was indicted on Thursday for misconduct charges, alleging she used her position to shield the men who chased and killed Ahmad Aubrey from being charged with crimes immediately after the shooting. So she used her power to shield these white supremacists who hunted down and killed. Ahmaud Aubrey, and she's being indicted. And I say that's good news because in the history of the United States, I think there's only been one prosecutor that has served time, and that was like 10 days or something like that. It's very rare. Yeah, very rare. Very rare. So, you know, if we got these prosecutors shaking in their boots now, that's good for us. Uh, What do you think about that, uh, Jamelia? Indicting the prosecutors. We may have lost her, you know, every yeah, now and she, then she has to switch over and take a call. And she'd be multitasking. I was, I, She's I, like I was the busiest person. Changing a diaper. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you see? Changing the diaper. What what can't you do? She could even change Man. diapers. <laughs> Man. I'm waiting to see Man. you underneath the car fixing the damn muffler or something like that. Yeah, she can oh, drop an engine, man. I was going to say, I'm going to send you some pictures of me actually <laughs> working on the car and cutting down trees and painting and all kinds of stuff. People will be like, you sorry, that's Natalie. <laughs> She's making stuff with Hey, Natalie. But, uh, tell her to her raw for me one today. time. I want to hear her raw one time. I'm sorry. <laughs> he said he wants to hear the raw one time. 
There you go. <laughs> the the, the rally cry of the warrior. Yeah, that's no power, no peace right there. She came up with that one. Uh, I was uh, planning a I was planning a rally one day, and uh, I, I got to run out to my second office, guys. Sorry, here we go. Here we go back to the garage. All right, all right. I got her fired up. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay because she's getting ready to throw her fist in the air and start hollering, no power, no peace. So uh-huh. I had to get out of the house because, uh, yeah, that's her thing. But uh, back to the conversation, um, you know, I, I always enjoy just uh, being uh, in you all's company. I miss you guys so much. Like, I'm ready to pack up and leave California. I promise you that I will if Larry Elder gets an offer. <laughs> you got to stick, stick around long enough for uh, Sam to get home, though. Oh, that's, oh no no like no! We, we will be coming as a, we will be coming on the on what they say the midnight train to Georgia. <laughs> gotcha. You have South uh, Carolina on your mind. <laughs> that's how we got here, coming on a bus when we finally escaped New Jersey. You know, uh, we ended up on a bus playing Cali- uh, Carolina on my mind, and we've been here for like 22 years. You know, um, it definitely ain't got the problems other places got, but it's got problems. <laughs> Anyway, man, that that Sixth Amendment and and prosecuting prosecutors, I'm loving that because if we start making them them white boys nervous, that's gonna cause change. As long as they get away with it, they have no reason to change. But when they start seeing their comrades being indicted and going to prison for the BS that they do to destroy people's lives, then it'll be a different story. Accountability is yeah. the key. You know, yeah, you and it's amazing say, that you know, she got charged. Right, right. You can't just say. We want to change this, or we want to tear this down. We want to build something new, and you never hold anybody accountable for nothing. What do you think they're going to do? Right. Stand there? <laughs> they're just going to go ahead and build something else, you know? So you exactly. Need accountability that, in all of this. That's what happens when you give these immunities out. They have this immunity, and the bar is so high, you know, to prove prosecutorial misconduct. It's just so high of a bar, so it's just amazing that she was even charged in this. Amazing. Uh, but this is not new for us. We've been dealing with this for as long as we can remember. As a matter of fact, we're coming up on an anniversary not too long from now, right? Uh, the anniversary yeah. of the Attica Massacre. Um, and just to read a, a little bit from the Fortune Society, it says the men of the Attica prison weren't revolting against a singular set of policies. They were revolting against a culture. Attica, the primary employer of the predominantly white county of Wyoming, New York, was categorized by anti-black violence and an aggressively enforced system of segregation. The prison had very efficiently divided the individuals who were incarcerated by race, David recounts. On the 4th of July, when everybody came to the yard, they had lemonade with ice and black ice, with white ice and black ice, and everybody knew their role. The racism of the prison guards was overt. The violence they inflicted was fomented by the power of their position and their impunity from consequence. When Governor Rockefeller ordered police to retake the prison, they removed their identification, and many used their personal firearms. And that just happened in Attica around the same time that them prison, the uh, Sixth Amendment became uh, 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 intensely wholesale violated 
Amendment. Yusuf? And, you know, uh, so next week I want to put together some some clips because I have a lot of audio from the interviews that were going on during the uh, Attica uprising, you know, especially from uh, Elliot L.D. Barkley. He was only 21 years old at the time, and he was the one actually that was one of the leaders. And it was just so compelling as to painting the picture of what was going on there and we see what happened. So at this time in New York, they didn't have many of the uh, minimum and medium facilities that they had. At the time, New York only had, you know, somewhere around 15 or 20 prisons, and it started this big boom of having these minimum and medium facilities that guys would say are actually sweet because they have the colored TVs, they have the microwaves, uh, all kinds of amenities, and it's 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 uh not lost in the fact that you what you just mentioned about the Sixth Amendment. When you are going to have these mass convictions, you're going to need somewhere to put them. So, mm-hmm. you know, right after that, New York's uh, prison facilities, they, the number of facilities uh, grew exponentially. You know, it went from having that 15 or so to, to at that point having about 60 or 70 and it at its highest in the 90s it had over 100 facilities you know during the Clinton Clinton uh crime bill and the Rockefeller drug laws which you know we had tons of uh plea bargains going on then so uh just want to go back to those clips and we can see how things ended up to the way they are now you know man I can say a lot but what I Instead, I'm going to go ahead and open up one of these lines. We got a caller coming in from the South Carolina area, 0216. You are on abolition today. Peace and blessings, everyone. Just wanted to say hey. Travel rain. This is Travel hey. rain. <laughs> hey. You're so, you're so funny, Travel. <laughs> oh, it's time to get in trouble now. Hello, oh, Mr. get in trouble now. I miss you, man. <laughs> I miss you. I miss yeah, you, It's so too. good to hear your voice. Right, right. Yeah, we're going to have to go on and get that RV. Um, yes. That's it. Do you want to share anything about your experience uh, over the past uh, two weeks? Wow. So much has happened over the past two weeks. It's just <laughs> all I can say is wow. All right. Well, the I'm poetic. You have it. Tribal rain. <laughs> Tribal rain waxing poetic. We hit them hard. Today. We hit them so hard. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I, I was particularly uh, excited about the fact that my family was there to see me. You know, my brothers and all that. Yes. The nephews, yes. everything, and then to seeing my mom's after a decade or so. My mother, biological mother, that was pretty cool. Um, having dinner with the fam, but. You know, the way the impact was just witnessing what we were a part of. 95 cities, right, Jamelia? 95 freaking cities. And the yes. ASNN was an official sponsor of all of that. And we were there yes. representing for the ASNN and for ACA3 and for March on. Uh, and doing it on such a historic day, uh, you know, 
Dynasty. I have a dream speech was that day. And trust me, Max was not trying to fill no shoes that day. I was just being Max. So when Jamelia hit me with Max, close it out with a poem. I was like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the speeches were so powerful that everybody gave, especially Allegra and Max. Mm -hmm. And then Sam came on. It was just, it was just awe-inspiring. Right. And with the video that we were able to see what was going on across the country, as well as some music videos and stuff that was part of the process, including our Bridging the Gap tonight, we'll be hearing from Kenneth B. Morris Jr., who sent a message in regards to the anniversary of the ASNN and the march on uh, for our voting rights. So we'll be playing that as part of our Bridging the Gap tonight. So, yeah, it, it was very powerful throughout, uh, and not just the days of the march, but spending time with Jamelia, Sonia, uh, Allegra, uh, you know, the dinner. Like, we had this, remember the, the dinner? The we family. Had, like, tables, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> was it the House of Soul? I forgot the name of the place. Right, the House but... of Soul, yeah. yeah House of Soul. soul. Uh-huh. That, that was awesome. And everybody uh, went over there after the events and we just uh, broke bread together and uh, became a family, you know? Yeah, it was, it was a beautiful moment. It was a beautiful moment. That was a beautiful moment. Yeah. You know, it it really inspired me, um, you know, because in, in the work that we do, we can very quickly become depleted um, and, and feeling like, damn, you know, it's, constant hit after hit after hit and it can become discouraging. Yes. We yes. can come together, you know, like we have some beautiful times with one another. Even though we were working, we were relaxing, we were familying, we were giggling, you know, um, and, and it really re-energized me. Lord knows I needed it because I didn't know the fight that was getting ready to come up, you know, in the past couple mm-hmm. of days. So I thank you all for, you know, pouring into me and holding space for me and loving me and all the good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was just absolutely beautiful. Because, you know, I didn't know things would be changed since the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's the question we asked us. Has anything yes. changed since Martin Luther King Jr. ended slavery? <laughs> and I'm like, where the hell you been living? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Where no. are you living? Martin did what he could, and, you know, the the Voting Rights Act of 65 was a powerful tool, but it's been gutted. And we've been told right. by the Supreme Court that, you know, this is a new age, and y'all niggas yeah. is not being discriminated against, so work it out. <laughs> the <laughs> fact that some right. people can still be living in that bubble is just mind-blowing. It, yeah, but it's hard to blame them. Remember, Malcolm warned, warned us about that, too, you know, because there was a time when we didn't know what we know now, uh, and, and people got to wake up. I don't know what the trigger is, but I have been blessed, like I'm sure all of you have been blessed, to have a conversation with people and watch the light come on in their eyes when you give them right. the truth. You know what I mean? When they realize, wow, and I didn't know. It was right there all along. 47 words, the 13th of slavery. What? I've seen that so often. As a matter of fact, I I was at some spot and I asked who all there were slavery abolitionists and all the hands went up. (laughs) You know, like that's a beautiful sight to see. So, 
we've been blessed to be able to help wake people up. And we're going to keep doing that until the job is done. All right, so we're at about the 837 mark. Uh, what I like to do is get in some final comments from everybody on the line. Then we're going to play a dedication for the Attica Massacre. Um, and uh, then we'll finish off with our sponsors and our Bridging the Gap segment. So let's start with you, Travel Rain, since you're on the line here with me. Uh, and for those who don't know, Travel Rain is uh, my wife and uh, the reason I'm in a breathing. <laughs> She's my everything. <laughs> my partner in crime. We go everywhere together. We do everything together. <laughs> if you see Max there, you can trust that travel somewhere around and mm-hmm. doing what she needs to do. Uh, if I had anything to say at all, it would be to continue to stand up, step up, speak your truth, stand your ground, and say it with dignity, say it with authority, and say it with effect. Yes. Thank you very, very much. It is. All right. Uh, Sister Jamelia? Well, I mean, she dropped the mic. So <laughs> I'm going to leave it on the floor. What she said. <laughs> what All she of what said. she said. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, let's see if we have anybody else on the line with their mic open. No, it looks like... Uh, no, everyone else left. All right, Brother Yusuf, uh, any final comments for the evening before we get into this next segment and then into our sponsors? No, I'm just, uh, as always, we thank everybody for listening and to thank our callers. Uh, Angelique, thanks, Sister Angelique, for calling in. Thank uh, Brother Alonzo for calling in and... Yeah, we can go on, Max. No doubt. Um, there was a bunch of news that we, as always, we got more news than we could ever share. We put as much as we could out during the broadcast. The rest we'll put on the website, so you can go ahead and check it out over there and stay up to date on everything that is occurring. It is crucial that you learn. The more you know, the less you have to say. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the truth is simple. It's easy to tell. It's lies that take all the work. And truth spreads quickly once you tell it. And you don't even need to defend it if this, the truth is a defend itself. Defend uh, so itself. We're, we're, that's right. That's what we're trying to bring you here is as much of the truth as we possibly can. With that being said, here is the dedication. It's featuring Richard Pryor and Muhammad Ali, uh, both doing poetry. And it's followed by a song, William West, Attica Massacre. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitionday.org. We'll be right back. Abolition. 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 Here is Richard Pryor from his live broadcast of September 15th. It's uh, really uh, hard to be funny when, you know, what's went down at uh, Attica, you know, really upsets me. And, you know, a lot of people talking about it. And I'm kind of uptight to talk about it or say anything that I really feel about it. But I have understanding, you know. What I dislike very much is that they're trying to insult our intelligence by trying to make us think we ought to do something about it or that they think they are going to do something about it, which is absolutely nothing. But they're doing a number. You know on the uh, news, the commercial news, as it were, you know, they told a lie. Now they, you know, they got to deal with it because I know every nigga knows what happens that people don't really care about it, you know. I wrote something about it. I'm a comedian. I wrote a little comedy, and I like to uh, 
read something to you. Murder the dogs, the mad, frothing at the mouth dogs with expensive capped teeth and fat bellies full of baby starving. No, don't wait until they die. Kill them now. Because if you let them live and die a natural death, you'll be bitten and left to die in agony. And the mad dog, pack, will then sniff out and search for your children to eat. Eat whole, flush, bones, and soul. These beasts will then retard the ones they have not eaten in their schools of unlearning. They will teach you, they will teach your children to do their hunting and capture their own to bring to them to devour. And the dog, the mad dog, will end up patting you on the head and throwing you a bone. Could you, before we go, just say that poem for us? Oh, this poem you know, explains uh, the Attica prison. You heard that over here when all the black prisoners were shot and just before they held some white hostages and they said they would cut the throats if they didn't get what they wanted. And the words was, well, if the throats are cut, then shoot and kill everybody. They found out during the autopsy that the throats were not cut. They just shot them for nothing. They triggered half a policeman and that... Rockefeller gave word 10 minutes or so if they don't give up, I think it's the way it went, open fire. And one black prisoner came out to speak to the warden. And he said, you have 10 minutes to surrender. What's your reply? Are we going to come in shooting? And the black prisoner came out, poetic poem. This didn't happen, but this is what I wrote. He said, better far from all I see to die fighting to be free. What more fitting end could be? Better surely than in some bed Where in broken health I'm led Lingering until I'm dead. Better than with prayers and pleas Are in the clutch of some disease Wasting slowly by degrees. Better than of heart attack Are some dose of drug I lack Let me die by being black. Better far that I should go standing here against the foe is the sweeter death to know. Better than the bloody stain on some highway where I'm laying, torn by flying glass and pain. Better call in death to come than to die another dumb, muted victim in the slum. Better than of this prison rot if there's any choice I've got. Kill me here on the spot. Better far my fight to wage now while my blood boils with rage, lest it cool with ancient age. Better violent for us to die than to Uncle Tom and try, making peace just to live a lie. Better now that I say my sooth, I'm gonna die demanding truth while I'm still akin to youth. Better now than later on, now that fear of death is gone, never mind another darn. They opened fire on them, but they died telling it like it was. Abolition. Oh, we wanted a few simple demands. 
Remember, bro. We gotta always remember. Yeah, I, I just need the roll. moments. Yeah, September ninth through September thirteenth, nineteen seventy-one, fifty years ago. Mm-hmm. A lot fifty went years down ago. Fifty years ago. That's when they started them damn plea bargains. All of a sudden, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Know, nothing is a coincidence. So here it we came are. Came right on the heels of this. All right. Well, we've had a powerful program as usual the music and poetry has been off the freaking charts uh and the conversation is uh, just powerful the people involved listening as well as all those who we were speaking with tonight are all out here getting their jobs done they're doing what they need to do even in the face of adversity of the highest types that would break most people we're still out here fighting and getting it done and you know why because ain't nobody else doing it if not me, then who? If not now, then when? And that's how you got to think about it. Because all we need is you. Get out there and vote and contact Alabama. Thank you uh, to the sisters calling in tonight. And uh, thank you, Brother Yusuf, and to our audience. And uh, we'll see you next week. But mark your calendars for September 19th when we have the right. Queen Mother of Benin as our guest on September 19th. All right, Yusuf, take it away, bro. Yes, sir. So, first of all, I'd like to thank our sponsors and our partners, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, 
I am we Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, Sama Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Black Talk Radio Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube, youtube.com slash abolition today. Subscribe to that page for all the news, information, and music you hear on this program. Abolition Today is available on all major podcast platforms. Also remember to join the movement at abolishslavery.us and intheexception.com to become a part of the solution. Don't forget, we're still doing the Shut Them Down 2021 movement. And so uh, definitely thank everyone for calling in. Thank Brother Max for producing a great show this evening. And we'll get into our Bridging the Gap segment. We have Kenneth B. Morris, Jr., the great-great-great-grandson of Frederick Douglass. We delivered a video address to the ASNN on its anniversary, and it's going to be followed by Say Real, Frederick's song, Freedom. We'll be back next Sunday, September 12th, inshallah, God willing, with another master class on slavery abolition. So until next week, think about abolition today. Peace. Abolition. Abolition. Hello, Abolition. my name is Today. Kenneth B. Morris, Jr. I'm the great-great-great-grandson of abolitionist Frederick Douglass and the great-great-grandson of educator Booker T. Washington. I'm co-founder and president of Frederick Douglass Family Initiatives. We're an abolitionist and anti-racist organization with a mission to build strong children and to end systems of exploitation and oppression. I'm sorry I couldn't be with you in person. I want to thank Jamelia Land for inviting me to deliver virtual remarks to you today. In David Blight's Pulitzer Prize winning Frederick Douglass biography, Prophet of Freedom, he describes the conditions in Washington, D.C. during the Civil War. In January 1863, thousands of enslaved people were emancipated in the South and fled to Washington in search of a better life for themselves and their children. The city was a muddy tent town where government buildings had been converted into makeshift hospitals to accommodate sick and dying Union soldiers. Douglas, facing this human calamity, became convinced that such suffering and bloodshed could only be mitigated if black people were given full and complete citizenship rights, and most importantly, the right to vote. During the Civil War, Douglas met with Abraham Lincoln over equal wages for black soldiers, 200,000 of whom fought in the war, but were paid less than white soldiers. And notably, he lobbied Lincoln to grant black men the right to vote. Without the right to vote, my ancestor correctly prophesied that black people would be subjected to discrimination, especially in the South, where the casualties of war and destruction would be top of mind of those who would seek vengeance and retribution on formerly enslaved people. The failure of Reconstruction and the enactment of Jim Crow laws throughout the South proved my great ancestor to be prophetic. Despite the eventual ratification of the 15th Amendment to the Constitution, which established the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. It would take another 95 years before the promise of the 15th Amendment would become a reality through the Civil Rights Act of 1965. Today, our voting rights are once again under assault. Efforts to suppress voting rights for millions of people are escalating across the country. People ask me all the time, 
What would Frederick Douglass do or say if he were here today? Well, it's not hard to imagine that he would be outraged to see that the right won by sacrifice and bloodshed has not yet been exercised to its fullest all these years later. He would be disappointed that we are still fighting many of the same battles he fought. Shortly after his 2020 election, Georgia Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock said, quote, we are witnessing right now a massive and unabashed assault on voting rights, unlike anything we've ever seen since the Jim Crow era. This is Jim Crow in new clothes, end quote. I believe my ancestor would also be outraged at the apathy and indifference among too many Americans who take the right to vote for granted. When too many of us refuse to vote, we shouldn't be surprised at the pathetic state of many of our elected officials. Frederick Douglass used his voice, his pen, and his vote to effect change. We need to use our voice, our keyboard, and our vote to do the same. We need to hold our leaders accountable at the local, state, and federal levels and demand that they take action and identify and eliminate voter suppression laws and unjust policies that perpetuate systemic racism. Would there be a Frederick Douglass among us who could remind us of the obligation we owe to those who came before us and our duty as citizens in a democracy? On this 58th anniversary of Dr. King's March on Washington, I want to congratulate Abolish Slavery National Network on your one-year anniversary. This is an important milestone you've reached, and it should serve as a reminder that we all need to continue to do our part to fight against voter suppression and end legalized slavery in California and across the country. I wish you the best for a successful event, and God bless you all. 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 It's not the light we need, but fire, fire. Not the gentle shower, but thunder, thunder. We need the storm. We need the trouble. Never did and never will We must fight for freedom Despite 
Abolition. 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 Abolition.